With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Can hear me now. Um, if you guys can hear me now, that'd be great. Uh, figure that out. Uh, we're gonna have Mark Simone coming in the house in about a couple minutes, uh, about an hour or so. We're also gonna have interviews with um, the talented Brittany Meyer of the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves. We're also gonna uh, dive into Coach Lou Butts of the New York Knockouts as well. We'll recap WFA Pro Week Eight in the second hour. We're also gonna uh, dive into um, dive into the Pacific Conference. Uh, bracket insights with key matchups as well. Um, if you, have, you guys haven't followed us on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty, go ahead and go to Twitter at Great Iron Beauty. That is where you want to be. That is the place to be. You can also subscribe to our Apple podcast and download over 400 episodes. So, um, you know, kind of a hesitant on the uh, technical difficulties here with uh, the new mic and everything else, so I apologize for that. But uh, we should have a great show here coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, we're going to have uh, Brittany Meyer of the uh, Grand Rapids Tidal of WFA D3, plus uh, we'll have Lou Butts in about 45 minutes. We're also going to dive into the brackets in terms of the WNFC Pacific Conference. Uh, we'll dive into those as well with Mark Simone in the second uh, in the second hour. Uh, and then we're going to dive into what's going to happen in terms of the New York Wolves. There was a suspension that was given out by the New York Wolves, by the WFA, concerning an earpiece situation that happened in, the several, in several games not just the one prior to that, that forced the uh, WFA to lay down the hammer and and not give them the nod in terms of the playoff bracket. So there was uh, the playoff bracket was supposed to be uh, themselves, I guess, in the second uh, slot, which was Tri-State Warriors. And then it was the Derby City Dynamite as well. Uh, so now the Derby, Derby City Dynamite, because of the New York Wolves default, now the Tri-State Warriors – are going to be the ones that are going to take that slot into the um, Division II um, Road to Canton playoffs slot. Uh, Baltimore will be facing Columbus uh, from the uh, bracket that was there put in place. Everything else seems okay with the Massey ratings. 
except for a couple things, uh, the five and one tidal wave, as we're going to talk to Brittany here in a, in a couple minutes here, and also the New York knockout, six and oh, because of strength of schedule and because of the way that Massey's are, ratings are mapped and calculated, both of the teams were out of the playoff picture. So in the East, it was Virginia Lady Firehawks and the Capital City, Capital City Savages. Then it's the Carolina Phoenix and then the Music City Misfits. So uh, interesting to see how Massey's work in, in that sense in terms of your strength of schedule. And if you're not worthy enough, even if you're at 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, it becomes one of these situations where it's, it's you're, out, you're ousted. No matter if you're undefeated, a knockout undefeated two seasons in a row and still cannot make, make it to the road to Canton based on the Massey's uh, algorithm and based on the Massey's um, math. So the WFA, I think a lot of times we come into the year every year and we cringe because of the fact that the WFA also has not addressed this in, in, in that light. I think in terms of the D3 function, the D3 has to have a 16-pool matchup in terms of what's happening. Because if they don't, then it's like only four t- uh, eight teams get in, but there's over 30 teams in D3 that, you know, are missing out. So you either need to shorten the D3 season, just like LaFay does in Mexico, where the D3 season is actually going to be extended to only play, you know, the eight games, but it's actually more of a 10-week season versus uh, WFA Pro would be eight weeks including the playoffs, D2, including the playoffs. So there's a lot of controversy in terms of how this can be uh, corrected uh, in terms of the Division Three level because now you're missing a lot of teams that obviously have vied for a playoff spot. You're telling these women that are playing their hard-earned money for almost eight weeks that even though they're undefeated and even though they only lost one matchup throughout their whole uh, season, that a you know certain team, three-and-three three team, because of the strength of schedule, is going to make the, the playoffs versus a 6-0 and and a 5-1 and team. So that's uh, one of the issues that we have here. And today we're going to be discussing that, obviously, with uh, Brittany Meyer of the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves. We're also going to dive into Lee Butts, of the, uh, the, the coach of the New York Knockout, and how that's going to affect their status with their teams and how that affects them in, internally as well. So, I, you know, it just it's just kind of – critical to think that that's not going to happen or the case is not that. So uh, interesting to see how that's going to, you know, break down. But we will have, um, you know, Brittany, uh, Brittany Meyer here in a couple minutes here in about five minutes. Or, and we're, we're going to talk to her about it. And we're going to also dive into Coach Butts in terms of what's happening there. Uh, you get all the, uh, all the stuff at the international news from the hub at Women's Football, including the results from Sweden, uh, Finland, Mexico, Plus, uh, the 2022 Massey Ratings Playoff Bracket is already up there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Um And so it's interesting to see how everybody landed. Uh, you know, some of the job boards, uh, or some of the group boards were obviously allowing some feedback. Uh, the WFA official pages limited comments because of the same reason that obviously there are disgruntled folks that feel otherwise that this, the Massey Ratings are not in that fair state in terms of, you know, giving the teams what, what they've earned, uh, which is some teams obviously undefeated, 6-0, and some teams 5-1, and some teams 4-2. Uh, and two. and you would think the record would reflect, okay, that's where you want to sit. But I think the 16-game uh, recommended bracket for playoffs 
would be greater for D3, more fair for D3, because if you take a 5-1 and one team, face a 3-3 three and three team, technically if the 3-3 three and, three, three and three team does somehow upset the 5-1, and one, it's more the on-the-field situation than it is on an algorithm in terms of math. So if you kind of like look at it that way, it's more of a fair system in that regard too because it's physicality. If you lost on the field, it's, uh, you know, it's more of like, okay, yeah, we, we got beat and we're, we're moving on. So I, I think that, you know, case can be made more so than anything. But when you, you know, when you're, you're 6-0 and and you're moving on and everything is running the, the same way you're running uh, and then all of a sudden you get shafted and you're not into the playoff mode for the road to Canton and you've played two hard seasons and you're undefeated or you're 5-1 and one, and all of a sudden because of your strength of schedule and because of the region that you're playing in, all that stuff doesn't take into account much of anything. So it's interesting to see how, you know, those things are going to affect um, the rest of it. And so I, I don't know how you fix it, but somebody's got to have a serious conversation about how you break it down and how you fix it because there's a, a lot of things that could have gone better, but because there's, I guess, because there's 30 teams in this one division, okay, I, I guess the WFA isn't considering that as a uh, isn't considering that as a uh, situation uh, where you know you you have a situation where they don't consider it as important, I guess, as as WFA Pro or WFA D2. So uh, I'm I'm assuming that's the case, but I mean, I could be wrong, uh, but a lot of the D3 people that I'm talking to, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the players, you know, those players feel otherwise, and they're not very happy about it. Uh, they're not happy about the situation where things are not working out for them, and, you know, they're not happy about how the situation is, is not working at this point. So uh, I don't know how to fix it or how can we fix it, so I'm assuming we're, we're going to have to do a better job at that to do it. All right. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work at this point. So um, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting dilemma in terms of what's going to happen um, and what, who's going to who's going to take the case at this point and who's not and who's going to you know take care of it and and who's not. So um, um, find out here if we got it. Uh, see here. Uh, I hope I'm not disconnected. I hope I'm still talking and on live because this is not going to be good for us. So at this point, I am connected in terms of on the line, um, I know my, my board is probably not connected, but um, I will find out here. And so it looks like I'm still connected. So we'll see how it works out. So I do apologize for the technical issues that we're having here, but uh, hopefully everything will work out no problem here. We're going to get uh, Brittany Meyer here in a couple minutes. She should be calling in here. We're going to dive in to um, the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves, the 5-1 and one finish for their season, how that, you know, reflects on them or on her and her team. And I kind of work it out in that in terms of, you know, the disappointment, obviously, for them not to make the playoffs for the road to Canton with the Massey ratings uh, consideration. Um, don't forget to go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties and get the lowdown right there. Always go to uh, our Instagram on IG. Check out our stories right there as well. You can always go to Twitter, get the latest news from Twitter right there, and keep up to date on everything that's happening in the sport, especially with Finland, Sweden, uh, LaFi, uh, WWCFL in Canada. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happening, so uh, don't, don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grandbeauties. All right, if you guys have signed up to Mikey Night Fight, Mikey Night Fight's our sponsor. 
Uh, you can play the 2022 NHL playoffs, MMA. Use the code NJF to get started. Um, if, uh, you can get a $5 free play on us. Use the code NJF, and uh, you can get started right there. All right, I think I'm the only loner here on the on the mic, so hopefully it's, it's I'm okay and working. We'll figure it out once the episode ends at this point. So, like I said, I do apologize for the for the issues in terms of the um, uh, the broadcast at this point. It normally doesn't happen, but sometimes you're live and things do get a little crazy and weird. So that's how it that's how it works in, in that regard. So uh, it works out that way. Uh, we should have, like I said, Brittany Meyer here coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, once she gets in here, we will go ahead and get started with her interview, and then we're going to dive into Coach Lou Butts as well and see how he's uh, performing uh, and how he's reacting to the two undefeated seasons and not making uh, the you know the playoffs for the road to Canton. So um, interesting to, to figure out what their feedback is going to be like at this point. Um, and so uh, we'll find out right now in terms of how they think about it. Yeah, so let's figure that out right now. Um, and then we're going to dive into Mark Simone in the second hour. We'll, we'll break down everything that's happening in the sport in the second hour and uh, go from there in, in that regard. So um, kind of like dive into everything that's happening in the, in the second hour, two hour, the, the last hour of the sport. So that way it's, uh, it's pretty cool in that sense. All right, we're going to go on the Monkey Night 5 huddle right now, and we're going to be talking to the talented Brittany Meyer of the Grand Rapids Titleist. Titleist is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight. Don't forget to uh, use the code NJF to get started. All right, uh, Brittany, are you on? Yeah, I am. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for making the um, thanks for making the interview today and uh, giving us your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. I'm having some some difficulties with uh, the uh, the the keypads and everything else today, so which is not a great thing. But hopefully, we'll get through it and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. All right. Perfect. Uh, okay. It happens when you go live. Sometimes when we're live, it, things just kind of unravel in that sense. Um, so I, I wanted to bring you on because everybody's talking Massey ratings and everybody's not happy. The, you know, you're five and one, didn't make the Masseys. You're six and oh, didn't make the Masseys. There's only six slots uh, or actually eight slots available. Um, what, can you get your, give us your feedback on your team, how, you know, when they got the news, obviously you're not going to Canton or you're not going to make an opportunity to go to Canton? Yeah, um, definitely an emotional blow, an emotional toll uh, waking up Sunday, uh, not making it, especially with, you know, all the work we've been putting in um, and all the, you know, all the rookies and all the vets and all the extra time that, you know, we really came together and, you know, was able to take advantage of, I guess not take advantage of, but we were able to really come together and have a great season and really get the point spread uh, and do everything that we thought we needed to do. And, you know, it all came down to the very last game. So it's been a very emotional couple of days for all of us on our team. Yeah. And I mean, you guys play so well, five and one, I believe is your record for the season. You guys Mm -hmm. have stood up, you know, from last year to this year, almost every year you guys have somewhat improved in terms of your offensive output 
in terms of some of your defensive uh, output. So it's it, like I said at the top of the hour here, it's sort of a cringing. Everybody cringes when the Masseys come out every year because you have no idea if you're getting in or you're getting or not getting in based on your schedule. But I mean, your schedule. I think the clarity on the schedule has to be more clear, right? It's like, do you have to play 2D, 2, 2D, two teams at a higher level in order for the, you know, the algorithm to consider your, you know, your your strength of schedule a lot more valid for a shot for a playoff spot, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can only play yeah. who's who's in your region technically, so it's kind of like it's a double-edged sword, I guess. You damn me if you do, damn me if you don't. Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, I personally wish that I I fully understood it. Um, Going into our last game against Lansing, um, we've already beat them once, and it, it kind of sucked that the whole season boiled down to whether or not we won that game. And, you know, did we need to win that game, or did we just need to have a, a certain point spread? You know, not really understanding um, at the end of the game, like the last three minutes, we were going for it, still trying to win, thinking, you know, that's what we needed to do. But, you know, if we really, you know, were able to understand uh, the Masseys and what went into all of it. It'd be a little bit easier as we approach our final games of whether whether or not we're going to make it or not. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the, the depressing thing about it is the fact that, you know, you play the season, you play your schedule, and all of a sudden you, you play lights out, and then you cannot, at the end of at the end of the, you know, the day, you're like, okay, we, we got a shot, right, to go to Canton. Who doesn't want to go to the, the Hall of Fame in Canton? Um, but it didn't mm-hmm. happen. So, um, Brittany, as a leader of this team, I mean, how how are you com- how are you guys conveying that message? How are your coaches conveying that message once you figure it out? The bracket comes out, and and you're not even in the top eight. Um, I mean, I think we sort of knew it was going to happen if we didn't beat Lansing our last game. Uh, we held on to that slim chance of hope, but um, we all took a second. We weren't very reactive towards one another. Um, at the end of the day, it was it was out of our control. We put our best foot forward. We went into every single week trying to go one and zero, and unfortunately, we played one bad game, and it, it cost us our chance to go to Canton. Yeah, and I think that's probably the way to look at it too, because um, you know, depending on your opponent and how that turned out, that could be a big factor in terms of the algorithm. Uh, with the strength of schedule matchup, I think it considers it a higher level, and then it obviously drops you off a little bit. Um, tell us a, a little mm-hmm. bit about yourself, how long you've been playing for the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves, how long you've been in the position as quarterback. Yeah, so I actually started playing football in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade um, with the boys. Um, kind of played quarterback, uh, primarily a lot of linebacker there. Um, my first year with the Tidal Waves happened to be the, the COVID year and everything got shut down. Uh, last year I was in the backup quarterback role. So this year was really my, my first year stepping into, you know, the starting quarterback QB one, um, and really developing myself as, you know, a leader and, uh, being in those tight situations and, you know, all the, the pressure that comes with the position. Now, the offseason with the COVID, I know it spoke to a lot of players, and they were saying how they took that time more so for game planning and for diving into the playbook and, and things like that, and obviously physical fitness, allowing, you know, mm-hmm. to be more in terms of fundamentals. Was that something that you did as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, I got into shape. I worked on it. Um, I've always naturally had an arm able to throw the ball. 
Um, but, you know, first year getting the playbook, understanding, reaching out to the coaches, um, trying to put my best foot forward. Um, this year we actually had a, a full brand-new offense, brand-new defense, um, brand-new head coach. Um, so we, we had a lot of changes, but I was able to take um, the COVID year as a time to step back and focus on myself. Now, how, how did you see the team in the off season? Was it something you were worried about? Like, okay, we're, you know, sometimes you get too much rookies and now you got to be more of a teacher. It was a, a, a simple balance for you guys this year. I mean, we definitely had a lot of rookies coming into this, um, but we had a lot of rookies with some base football knowledge that I believe the coaches were able to build off of. And the vets really, you know, understood their role and how in order for us to succeed as a team, we all needed to step up. And, you know, essentially we had to make our weakest link one of the best players. And the adjustments there, was that something that you guys took into account, um, you know, throughout the years, throughout the year, I meant, because a lot of times you get injuries and people have to step up and things like that. So I know you had, um, I think a, I think it's Bryn, right? Bryn, is it Pline? Bryn Pline? Yes. I think it's, yep. Over over close to 600 yards rushing on 90 almost to 97 carries. He was averaging a five yards a carry uh, and a, a whopping 12 touchdowns. So that, what a beast yeah. on in terms of the rushing game. Yeah, she had a, a phenomenal season. And I mean, it all boils down to you know our O line primarily consisted of rookies and a couple of vets that we were we were really all able to come together and understand our 111 so that you know. Bryn was able to have such a successful season. Um, and, I mean, that that speaks to our team as a whole in general. You know, we're only as good as our weakest link. So all of our rookies really stepped up for us to be successful across the board. Now, um, Brittany, credit, credit the defense uh, on, on most of all your games, except for the last game, I think, against uh, – the Capital City Savages, where they gave up 36 points. But other than that, I mean, they were lights out almost all year. So uh, I think it's, uh, if I'm my notes, uh, Bobby Goodwin, uh, Ada Aguilar, and uh, Daylene Ezel, uh, some of the top three, um, you know, uh, in terms of the defensive stats. So you credit that line. I mean, they're just, they were really good until, obviously, uh, the Savages just a little bit, you know, I guess better on that on that last game of the season. Yeah, like I said, you know, it, our last game unfortunately ended up being one of our one of our subpar performances of the season. But you know, all three of them are rookies, so they really stepped up and came in clutch for our team this year. I mean, that's and that, that's across the whole board. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive, you know, to have a, a a good year like that. I mean, over 14 tackles, almost all of them 14 tackles or above. Um, they had basically combined losses of six yards or more. So, I mean, yeah, just uh, what an impressive bunch there. I mean, can't forget uh, Brooke Johnson as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most impressive thing is, you know, four out of six of our games, we had a running clock. So to still put up those numbers and, uh, you know, have that type of performance with a running clock is even more impressive. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's a, that's huge. That's a really good performance by then. Um, so you guys, uh, Brittany, you guys get off off the blocks pretty well against Columbus, uh, and then obviously the games against Columbus have been very stellar for you guys. 
Um, you guys did edge Capital City in, I think, week uh, May, May 4th. I want to say week 5 or week 4. Um, so they're kind of a rival for you guys in a lot of sense, right? In, in, right there in that neighborhood. Um, I mean, it's an hour drive to get to Lansing, so they've they've become our in-state rival, and they, it's looking to be a good matchup for next year. Now, I, I did you see those matchups? I mean, you guys put up 70 burger uh, on uh, Columbus and 44 burger the first two weeks, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you guys get to face Capital, and it was one of probably one of your toughest battles. Can you tell us a little bit about that game and how you guys just got barely edged the win there by a touchdown? Yeah, so, I mean, we knew the Massey ratings weren't going to be on our side for most of the season, so we knew we had to put up big numbers uh, in our first couple of weeks. Uh, Lansing was our, our first big taste of, like, true competition um, in, I mean, situations and scenarios we haven't faced, you know. We're no longer able to hear our coaches. The crowd's coming into play. Um, I mean, we're on our, our third starting center at this point, too. So um, it, it was a lot of how can we piece it together and put our best foot forward and not, you know, crumble to the pressure. Because this is also the first time we've really faced a whole lot of pressure. Um, so we were able to come in clutch, make some great plays. Uh, we were able to strike first off of a, a nice deep ball that was caught by Trevino. And that really gave us the momentum for the game. Um, and then our, our defense stepped up the second half, didn't let them score at all the entire second half, So and created a ton of turnovers. So, you know, once we had the momentum on our side, we were really able to, uh, I guess, put that game away. I mean, the, the game-sealing uh, interception is really what did it for us. Now, you had an opportunity for uh, a good – solid ending to the season, but it just didn't happen. So, I, I mean, that's probably one of the factors in terms of the Massey, considering it's more of a rival and one game win, uh, you know, a, a seven-point win, and then all of a sudden you get a 36-0 to zero or a 36-7 defeat. So, uh, I mean, I, you guys did have a great season. Uh, that was the reason I wanted to bring you guys on because, you know, 5-1 and one is nothing to, you know, just to say, oh, it's just 5-1. and one. No, 5-1 and one is pretty impressive. And then considering your offense was – basically in triple digits in terms of scoring the first three weeks. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it, it was a, a remarkable year. And, I mean, end of the day, if we could understand the Massies a little bit more, I mean, I take I take part of the blame. I mean, the, uh, the score, the differential wasn't that big going into the last three minutes. Um, we were trying to win it all, so we were trying to throw some deep balls, and they just didn't land in my favor. So, you know, the, this team was lights out this year, and I am so incredibly proud of them all. Yeah, and I'm, and I like I said, uh, you know, you guys did have a great season overall, except for that one loss. I mean, the, the loss to your rival there, but other than that, so it's, what a great season. Um, what does it look like for you guys? You know, you guys are obviously looking – on the outside, in terms of the playoffs, um, you got a couple teams in the playoffs. I mean, locally there uh, on the east, it's uh, Music City, Carolina, and then obviously Capital City, who did defeat you guys in the last week, they go to the playoffs. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that they're going to the playoffs and you're not, uh, based on a record, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're 4-2 and two to our 5-1. and one. How does it really match up in a quite, you know? I mean. You never know. 
you never know. I mean, we could play the game of what if, but um, it is what it is, and all we can do is look forward to the uh, the All American game where we can root on our uh, our teammates Amber Mason and uh, we call her P Whittington, uh, who's going to be representing us. Um, and then, you know, how do we start preparing for next year? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, great thought right there because there's nothing you can you can't control that. I mean, you can control the games. Just like I, I said earlier uh, before I brought you on, it, it's just a matter of the WFA figuring out how you have 30 teams. It's kind of like the NCA bracket. you got 30 teams in D3. There's got to be 16 teams, right? Because and, and it nine would be of them easier and better for you to just team team bracket, give two more weeks of the playoffs, and then, you know, you fight it out on the field. And, you know, if you lose to a 3-3 three and three team and you're 5-1, and one, so it, it, that's I think you can muster that more than okay the algorithm just says you're you're not worthy in that regard. Yeah. The algorithm says we're in seventh, but yet we're not we're not making it in the top eight. So um, it is what it is. I would like to see you know some things fixed and changed, especially when there's nine teams in our region and fewer teams in other regions. But um, I'm not the powers that be, so. I understand the hand that was dealt to us. So I know us as a team, we're going to keep moving forward and get ready for next year. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a difficult situation because everybody I, – I, I, last week we talked about it on the, on the podcast about how everybody cringes when the season ends because no matter where you're at in terms of a record, uh, you could be ousted. <laughs> like the knockout was 6-0, and and they're not in the playoffs. And they they went undefeated the whole season, um, so it's it's uh, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, I I know we got a lot of messages from players on a lot of the group boards, uh, voicing their discomfort with just the way the you know the layout is for D three. So I'm hoping uh, the WFA is going to consider that for the next season, 2023, and figure out a better playoff structure. Put maybe 16 teams out of the 30, you know, half the pool going into the playoffs, and then have them battle it out. Maybe uh, I guess D3 should be 10 weeks instead of eight, uh, eight or six, you know, and you give it another four mm-hmm. weeks and then the last couple of weeks is going to be playoff only. Um, so there's got to be a way to fix it, you know, got a way to make it fair for everybody and then have it battle, battle everything out on the field. Yeah. I mean, when the majority of your league is uh, in D3 and we're putting in the, the same amount of blood, sweat and tears, I mean, I feel like we all, we all need to have that opportunity, um, you know, to prove ourselves. I mean, a lot of us are playing the same teams year in and year out just because of, you know, travel. But who's to say our team wouldn't have matched up better um, against, you know, Virginia as opposed to Lansing? You know, we will never know. Right, exactly. We'll never know. Um, it's a, kind of interesting to think that way. Um, and we won't know the uh, the response from the WFA. Hopefully, they're you know they're listening to us. Hopefully, they're listening to the you know the, the group boards, and and hopefully they're getting feedback from all the players and in terms of you know the leadership in the WFA to figure out how D3 can be rectified into a better playoff format so that you give everybody the opportunity you know to play for a spot. And I, I think that that's the one thing that I take away from that is like I I know a lot of players are like well you know what. We're five and one. Uh, I put in all this hard-earned money and time to be five and one, and busted my ass all all year. 
and all of a sudden it just gets pulled under the rug for me. And I think a lot of players kind of feel that way right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know you've got 40 players on my team that are feeling that way right about now. Yeah, it's just it's just hard to muster, I mean, an explanation for that because, you, you know, you, you kind of have to sit there and go, okay, what did I play eight weeks for, right? If you're on a lousy team, you're on a lousy team, right? <laughs> then at that point you're like, okay, it just hits you in the face and you're like, okay, we're not that great. <laughs> so it's either come back next year or not, right? But when you're on a good team and you're on a good uh, good structure and you don't even get a, an opportunity to play for a playoff spot, even though your record says that you deserve to play in a playoff spot, it's a lot harder mm-hmm. to take in because now you're like, okay, what did I what did I play six weeks for, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a slap in the face. I mean, the NFL doesn't go, mm, Tom Brady had one bad game. Guess he's not making it to the Super Bowl. I mean, they they still get a chance. So, I mean, that, that's all we're asking for here. Yeah, I know. How was your coach reactions to that? How was your coach's reaction to that? Or they were they understanding that the fact that they were at, uh, you know, at that point where if you lose to Capital City, that could be a detriment to your um, to your Massey rating or is any of the coaches in that sense, you know, mathematicians that understand Massey? Because I don't understand Massey. I mean, I have a coach that's an engineer that tried to reverse engineer it to try to figure it out, and that wasn't all there. There's just there's too many factors. We knew going into that game we needed to take care of business, and, you know, unfortunately, the most important game happened to be our worst game. But, you know, we can blame refs. We can blame a whole lot of things, but, you know, we knew we needed to take care of business and go 1-0 and each week, and we knew we needed to win by 40 points each week. Um, so we did everything that we could in our power and our control, and, you know, you're also talking to me as I'm still emotional and a little sad about it. You know, yeah, and I don't want to bring you in here this just, is to, all just to get you more emotionally depressed, but uh, I wanted to bring you in because you guys had a great season, 5-1. and one. You guys did have a, a stellar up performances throughout the year. And, uh, you know, give out a shout-out to, uh, to your defensive beasts out there, including your running back. Uh, so, you know, uh, give you guys some attaboys, uh, even though you're not going to be in that, you know, that playoff hunt for the road to Canton. So, but other than that, I think you guys had a great, great season. And, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for uh, an excellent effort. Yeah, we appreciate everything we can get. So, you know, it's, great to be recognized by people around the league you know even though at the end of the day we didn't make the playoffs it's nice to know some somebody out there recognizes a a five and one season and all the hard work that we've put in yeah no that's why i reached out to you because uh, i had a lot of you know a lot of feedback from a lot of players and and you know a lot of a lot of players have you know seen what your growth of your team and how the program has grown in the last three years and how you guys are are being very competitive in that in that one region, including with Capital City and all the other teams that are blended into that East Coast. So it is a dogfight in that region just to you know to get into a playoff mode. And unfortunately, a five and one, uh, given the algorithm, wasn't enough. But you know you did, you guys did have an outstanding season overall. Yeah, we did. Uh, I appreciate it. I I really do. It's, this has been an incredible year. Yeah, and for you, um, are you coming back? Uh, what, what's the what's the plan for you as a quarterback? Are you coming back next year? Are you rethinking things? I know a lot of people in the off season. You know, you got you get into family, you get into relationships, or 
somehow you got to move out because of schooling and things like that. So I don't know where your state is. Oh, no. I'll be back. And I think most of our team's coming back, too. So, you know, you'll see us at Canton next year. That's our goal. We're already working on it. All right. So there, there it is. So you guys heard it directly from the chief of the tidal waves. That is Brittany Meyer. Um, so, Brittany, thank you for coming in. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I really think that you guys deserved uh, a slot. Unfortunately, that's the math that didn't work out for you guys in your favor. Um, I ho- I'm hoping that that fuel will will see you next year in terms of the bracket format. Hopefully, they re- they'll rearrange the bracket format to maybe go to the 16 bracket, and that will obviously give you an opportunity and a shot to compete for it, you know, and to earn that spot to move forward deeper into playoffs mode. But, you know, shout out to you. Shout out to your uh, – your O-line, the, your offense, and, of course, to uh, to the defense that kept you guys uh, in games all season. So congratulations to them, too. Thanks, and I appreciate it. I'm proud of every single one of them. And uh, if I could ask the WFA one thing, just give us a shot. We won't disappoint. All right, Brittany, thank you again for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to the 2023 season as the Tidal Waves look to, another, to make another impact in the WFA D3. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, guys, there you go. Uh, Brittany Meyer of the uh, Grand Rapids Tidal Waves. And um, she's, you know, disappointed. Her teammates are disappointed. And it was a hard pill to swallow when you don't make the playoffs at 5-1. and one. And there's another team that obviously does make the playoffs, and you don't. So, uh, you know, they earned it, I guess, in terms of the Ma- Massey ratings. A lot of people don't get them. A lot of people still don't figure out, you know, what the Massey ratings are all about uh, in terms of the algorithm. But it is a strength of schedule, my understanding. So if you're playing a lesser division schedule, even though you're, you know, that's your region and that's all you can play, you would have to, to Brittany's point, if you're, if you're playing just D3 competition only, and that's your only competition on your schedule, that means you, you offensively, you got to put up. 50 to 60 win victories, which is literally blowouts. And, and nobody wants to see blowouts in a matchup game, but that is how the Masseys would weigh you. So if you have a lot of blowouts, sometimes that's going to deter you, whether, it, whether it's better to have maybe competitive matchups, like the one that they had there with Capital City, which is 28 to, to 21. Maybe that weighs more into the mathematics versus a 77-6 victory over a team that's a non-factor. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a fairness in terms of the algorithm, in terms of the numbers, and with the, with the strength of schedule. But overall, you know, the, at the end of the day, we all cringed. <laughs> Last week we, we talked about it. We all cringed when they came out and, and got unveiled, and all of a sudden you're not one of them. And even though you're 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, a 3-3 three and three team goes – into the playoffs, a four and two team goes into the playoffs, or even God forbid, a one and three, one and one and five team makes the playoffs versus a five and one. Funny, but at the same time, it is frustrating to realize that that's how this this whole thing works out. Uh, it's actually more. I think it's worse in D three than it is in D two or D one. I think D one not so bad. I think the the D one bracket is probably where it needs to be. Uh, whether, you know, at this point Detroit deserved to be in the playoff bracket in the East, 
against the Renegades versus the Divas. That is, you know, something you can discuss about it. Uh, the Inferno, deservingly so there um, with their schedule. They did play D1 schedule uh, competition as well, but they did play some D3 uh, teams that were on there. Um, so, you know, you, D1 pretty much, I mean, there's not much you can debate there, except for that one slot, like I said, because uh, D.C. hasn't played their best football this year either, and they've had some struggles all through the year. But given their competition and their schedule and facing, you know, their their higher, uh, higher competition, uh, I think the Masseys waited to where um, D.C. obviously deserves a higher, uh, deserved the slot over Detroit. Detroit did come in late in the season, uh, didn't fare very well against Boston, um, so the, that could have been a factor there as well. On D2, you had uh, Mile High against Austin. You got Energy against Nebraska. Nebraska has played really good ball. Uh, shout out to um, Mac uh, Mackenzie Brooks and her squad out there for uh, an awesome season, and they make the playoffs. And then Derby City uh, against Tri-State. The, the Tri-State Warriors get in because the Massey ratings uh, issue wasn't uh, an issue where New York didn't deserve to get in. It was a situation where they had an on-field suspension infraction, and the WFA decided they were going to suspend the whole team. You know, I, I, I totally get it, but at the same time, my, my point would be, why not suspend the coaching staff or the person involved with the infraction, the coaching staff in general, could the, the head coach would have been the suspension, put in an interim coach, and still give the New York Wolves their uh, shot to go to Canton. Um, but they didn't do that. So the, the Tri-State Warriors, on default, because of the suspension of the New York Wolves, they get the, the bracket bid to go to Canton, and they will be facing Derby City. Uh, Derby City, obviously, in the bracket in D2. They have faced a lot of higher competition, St. Louis, a lot of the D1 competition as well. So uh, they, they were favored that way. Baltimore, the same way. Baltimore faced uh, D.C. in D1 as well, and then uh, Columbus as well. So those were obviously made sense. Uh, that one suspension by New York did not make sense. So uh, we're going to go into the second no-joke football huddle, and we're going to be talking to the uh, head coach of the New York knockout, and that's going to be Lou Butts in a second here is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight, use the code NJF to get started. Get a $5 free play on us. If you get a more or less prop correct you're going to earn $15 on that $5 free play. So check it out. Uh, NHL playoffs right now, MMA, PGA, a lot of stuff on Monkey Night Fight. So go check it out. Use the code NJF. Let's bring in uh, head coach of the New York Knockout. That's Lou Butts in the house. Hi, Coach Lou. How's it going? Hey, Oscar. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. So uh, I just talked to Brittany, and uh, the Tidal Waves were not very happy that they were ousted of the uh, given the Massey ratings projections and algorithms. Yeah. At five yeah. and one, <laughs> and uh, obviously we talked to Eden uh, Messimer uh, last podcast, and uh, she was hopeful that obviously six and zero oh, you would get in, and uh, yeah. you know lo and behold we all cringed, and the cringing was for real because you guys did not get in. Yeah, yeah, that was a a, a big gut punch last week, and we didn't get in. You know, 
when you go undefeated, uh, when you're defending Northeast champ of last year, um, you want to defend your title on the field. So it, it was quite heartbreaking for our, our girls. Yeah, Coach, we talked about it uh, this week. Uh, a lot of factors played mm-hmm. into, uh, you know, when, when you get to the end of the season, uh, you know, whether you have to score triple digits in every game <laughs> and is it going to be triple digits against quality matchup. Um, when you weigh the strength of schedule based on what how I, under, how I understand Massey, there are some factors that benefit you ultimately at the end to, uh, to give yourself a shot to, to have Massey consider you worthy of the eight you know, positions. But, sure. you know, it's, just, it's weird that the regions are kind of lopsided. And a lot of players, yeah. you know, that's the reason that they're like, okay, you got D3, maybe it should have been a 16-team bracket versus just an eight considering the East Coast is a lot heavier than the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the, the, the alignment's a little off, and you, know, you have you have heavy divisions. And, you know, at the heart of it, I think, you know, Massey is great for the, the pro divisions, Division One in this league, because it's, it's 11 teams and it's spread out from coast to coast. And, and, you know, this is no knock on the league or anything. I, you know, it's a great league full of great people who are passionate about football. I just think – it's been such a hard push to promote the, the D1 or the pro teams and, and develop that portion of it. The D3 teams have kind of the smaller, uh, you know, the smaller market teams have been left behind. And I don't think, you know, that system is conducive to, I think it's when you, when you roll in the developmental teams up to it, 36 teams, uh, there's enough for divisional play and let play on the field determine um, you know, determine who's in the playoffs rather than uh, a power ranking or a rating system. I really think the breakdown has to be, um, you know, D3 maybe is instead of, uh, you know, six six weeks for the pro division as an example or eight weeks, I think maybe the D3 schedule has to be a, a 10 to 12, right? Ten weeks in, two weeks for playoffs, yeah. you know, semifinals, I, I playoffs in the regions. So that might work out because you do have 30 teams, and then there's the, when you have 30 teams, the playoff will has to be in half. I, I mean, that's kind of like basic math, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I think it's you know, you're, you're right. It's 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 that format, but you can break it down into more divisions, more regional divisions, six divisions. Um, you do it so there's you know three divisions in each conference, and the best conference record would have a bye week and the other two teams would play and it'll be the same amount of playoff games. But you're right, if you're gonna if you're gonna maintain the rating system, you have to have at least eight games. Um but I just think I just think for D D three at least, moving away from that system would be advantageous to, to smaller market teams for, for several reasons. Yeah and and, and if you want to use Massey, you have to give it more data. That's literally yeah. what my understanding is. The less data, it's not going to be as good. If you give it more data, so if it's a 12-week system, it's probably going to even out, and it's going to be more fair, and everything should even out at the end uh, in terms of, you know, before the semis. And I think the regional factor is if you're lopsided on the East Coast, uh, to your point, I think on the East Coast, if the West Coast is very slim, then then you don't have have to have a conference on on the West Coast. You just need to have a division that is, a you know, a West division. Where on the East Coast, if there's, you know, obviously four, uh, what, uh, out of 30 teams, let's say there's 25 on the East, on the East right. Coast, then, yeah, it makes more sense, like you said, to break it down by, 
you know, three three divisions or four divisions and just make it more even that way where everybody's battling each other and then you get three or four out of the, you know, if you still get eight out of it, but you might just get two out of each division, you know, to, to go into a semifinal state, like you said, with the bye week and with the top, the top squad. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's, when you break it by division, it, it's all based upon playing the field, right? And, you know, there's so many factors uh, that play into the season, too, that, you know, it's not accounted for at Massey. You know, you take a team who maybe, you know, when they start the season is high on numbers, but lose a lot from attrition or injuries or what have you. And they're not the same team as, you know, maybe at the beginning there as they were at the end of the year. It happened to us in 2019. We had a rash of injuries where we had like 14 or 15 uh, women left by the time we finished. We weren't the same team as we, we started the year with a win. Uh, we were getting we were getting pummeled by the end of the season because, you know, that factor there and take a developmental. Um, so if you have the developmental teams, quote-unquote, um, that's going to count into your, into your rating system. And who's going to want to play them in the future? Um, if you do play them, you have to run the score up on them too. To, to get a better rating in Massey. So as, as a new team in the league, are you going to come in when no one wants to play you and you're going to be beat by 50 points every time? That's that's not conducive to growing the league on the grassroots level, on a D3 level. I really I really think you have a point there because, you know, in D3, uh, the, you know, the average uh, roster is, what, 30, 30 uh, at the most, but by if the time lucky, you get yeah. mid, mid, mid through the season – like you said, you're lucky if you if you even have 20 standing, if if you don't get injuries, if you're not in severe state right. with injuries, and and I think a lot of it has to be factored in because uh, most of the most of the D3 teams, to your point, are no different than a high school, right? It's like every year it's yep. a recruitment stage, and who are we going to get, and who's going to be very worthy, and who who's not going to compete? And I think that's that's where I think maybe the WFA is missing out. Totally understanding yeah. that the W that pro is the focus to generate more sure. funds and sponsors and get that in there, that's fine. But at the same time, uh, like you said, the, the so, so-called, you know, grassroots league or division uh, needs mm-hmm. to be looked at in a different light because it's Iron Woman football. That's literally what it boils down to, especially when you get down to like, you, you know, 20, less than 20. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you, you, you know, again, pro is great. It's great to promote that, but you got, you know, when you're not paying folks to come in and play when it's, when they're playing their own way, when it, when you have to recruit from your area, you know, you have to look at population. When you look at the population of the 11 uh, pro teams, uh, the average, the average, the average it out is around 4.5 million in the metro area, right? That's, that's a good number to recruit a team that you can have numbers uh, take my area, for example, my whole 60-mile radius around me, I'm about 1.6 million. So I'm never, unless I start playing players and, and, and flying them in, which isn't in the budget right now, we're never going to be able to have those numbers to, to, to move up to that level. And that's okay, though. That's okay. Division three, I think, is the smaller teams is, is how you grow the sport. The more Division three teams, the more, the more smaller teams, the smaller communities, is, is and creates more opportunities for women to play on a on a on a on a bigger on a bigger scale, and the more people playing, the, the bigger it is, the more you grow the sport. Yeah, I, I don't know if the solution is to really dive into that part of it in terms of breaking it down by pies, because I think the WFA doesn't have the the time or luxury for that purpose. I guess right. if if I'm I could be wrong. Maybe they have looked at it, but 
just seems like that's not the case, right? Yeah. Because the big focus is obviously to get the bigger sponsors and, and to promote the bigger teams or, or the more metro teams because, with the, like you said, the, 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 the ad dollars are going to come from the big metros. They're not going to come from, you know, the rural sure. areas or the smaller towns uh, for sustainability. But at the same time, you know, just like uh, the NCAA, right, has, you know, the, the feeder to the NFL, and then you got, uh, right. you know, Division two, Division three, and then you got NAIA. I, I would yeah. say Division three here is the NAIA that the WFAS is treated in that sense. Well, yeah, or take take college for that. Just take college alone, right? You have your big schools, your you know your Big Tens, your your, your Power Five conferences. Then you have your you know the the FCS, the, the you know the championship division, the your one double your traditional one double A's, and Division Threes. You know you can take schools like you know Mount Union or Wisconsin Whitewater and St. John's and D three who've won you know handfuls of national championships. There's no knocking those schools because they're smaller, but they're different. The rules are set up different for them. Um, I, I think you, there's two sides to a coin there. Both are advantageous for either side. You just have to – there has to be a differentiator in there somewhere. Yeah, and when you're asking players to pay, you know, 1500 to $2,000 for a season and you don't get to – you know, like I just talked to Brittany, you're not going to get a shot to even compete for it on the field. It's one thing to lose on the field and say, okay, we had a bad game and we just completely failed. It's another thing where you just get ousted based on math, and and that just doesn't yeah. feel right because you put in all this time and effort and eight weeks of time away from family and everything else, and all of a sudden you're told that your you know your six and zero record is is not worthy of a playoff spot. Absolutely, you know you, you, you've gone through the preseason, the bumps, the bruises, the end of the season. You haven't lost a game. You haven't lost a game in, in a regular season game in two years. And then your season ends on math when you're sitting at home. It's that's a tough pill to swallow for sure. Um, and again, there's just so many factors that play in to you know to not be able to to, to prove yourself on the field at the at the next the next game is it's it's hard for any sport, but especially hard for 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 the girls that put this much time and effort into it. All right, so coach, uh, you heard the news. How did the team take it? The team take it in stride, or was the team you know? <laughs> Throwing stuff at the TVs, or you know what I mean? I, the F, yeah, the F I, and know, the S's I, coming out of the the, the languages. <laughs> well, you know, we weren't together obviously when it when it happened. We you know we have a we have group chats and so forth online, but they they took it very tough. You know, these girls are passionate. This is probably the best team we've had in this area in a long time, as far as talent and and, and just overall commitment and passion go. So they took it. They took it pretty hard. They were definitely very, very upset that we didn't get a chance to to defend our title. Yeah, and I, it's just heartbreaking, right? That to, to, to sit there and go, you're not rated, and you, you're you know six and zero. You played your region. Um, I mean, there's got to be a way to like. You can't ask for a different format, but you know, I was talking to everybody on on the uh, group boards. And, you know, is it going to be a necessity where you have to play two D teams, you know, two D2 teams as a, as a D3 matchup in order for Massey to consider you, you know, strength of schedule somewhat even and equal to everybody else? So I don't know if that's the yeah. answer, you know. But that's – if we're going to stick to the system, we are. But I don't see why we can't ask for a different system. I think there is um, – this has not only angered us, but it's upset a lot of smaller teams and, and – in the in the region or in the in the in the league that want change, they see this as you know this is, this system's not set right for a long time. 
Um, I don't see why we can't divide up the divisions differently and, and, and go for a different system. There's, there's a, a call for it, you know. And again, it's not just me. There, if you go over social media, it's all over the place. Um, there's a there's a call for just for a change for D, at the D3 level. I would think if the WFA considers it, you can still do Massey for D1 and D2. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can do a point system for D3, like they do overseas. Yeah. Overseas, they do a point system. So you get a win. It's you know, not uh, ten points or whatever as an example. And if you get a loss, you get a minus two points, right? As an example, so it kind of yeah. evens out at the end of at the end of the year, where your wins and lo- your wins and losses really do factor in into points, just like they do in soccer. Yeah. You get a match win, yeah. you get so many points, and you're good to go. I think it, I think for D three, it would be better to do a point system because then it's fair. Uh, you get a tiebreaker, or you get anything in between. Then there's a you know there's a there's a points that are either minus or pluses, and gives you an edge that way. Or you do what they call a wild card, right? Which is like two teams add up at the same amount of, uh, you know, 12 points as an example. Uh, now it's just a matter of like, okay, th- those two teams have to play each other to, you know, decide a tiebreaker in, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you can do plays, right? But I think, you know, the, you know, but just like the college game, there's two different systems for two different levels of, of the sport. Um, actually, three different levels, but it all work for each level. You can do a number of different things. If you just play divisional games, again, broke up the divisions a little, a little differently. Divisional wins count as divisional wins. Tiebreakers go to overall record. If there's still a tie, go to points for points against. I think there's a number of different ways that you can very easily change Division Three when there's just so many more teams to a more conducive and, and fair system for everyone. All right. Well, we're hoping uh, Lisa King, Jeff King, and the ownership and the leadership at the top of the WFA is listening to us, uh, and they're taking our feedback here based on this conversation. So, but I wanted to bring you on, just like I brought in uh, uh, Eden last week to you know give the knockout their shutout for a perfect season, and then I wanted yeah. to bring you on because you know this is kind of a, a you know kind of a downer type mentality, but I, I wanted to just kind of like get everybody to understand you know this is a six and zero team that you just coached through for six weeks and all of a sudden, you know, you don't get a shot to go to the road to Canton, which is very heartbreaking and disappointing. So, you know, thanks for your feedback and giving us some ideas about how to restructure D3. And I, I hope that, you know, they're listening to us and they're understanding that maybe D3 does need to be restructured and reallocated into a way where it's more fair for all the, all the teams versus a D1 or D2 that can still, you know, muster the Massey ratings because it, it works out for them. Yeah. Again, I think there's just there's just a way around this. It's a simple fix, and and again, it's heartbreaking. And you know, I spoke to it. Could, it's me now, so I know I'm the loudest one out there right now. But it could be you next year or, or the year after. So I think there's just a lot of call at, at a at the Division Three level for a change in format. So I, I hope I hope I hope we can I hope we can make something work uh, that's more conducive to smaller teams. Because again. Smaller teams, I think, are the heartbeat of this of this league in, in women's football. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that's a, that's a valid point. And ultimately, I think the bottom line for 2023 is I, I would say the D3 needs to be restructured maybe on, like you said, in a, div, in a divisional sense, but maybe with a point system. You can try it out, yeah. you know, for a year and see how that, you know, ends up at the end of the year. 
uh, there's no hurt in you know restructuring something and and you know restarting it if, or you go back to Massey, right? Just the, the way yeah. it works. If it doesn't work, then you go back to the Masseys, and that's the way it's got to be. So hopefully, all the owners in D3, they're at the top level, like your ownership and everybody else. Uh, maybe we'll start you know doing their uh, Excel spreadsheets and figure out some sort of formula and, and format to submit. Uh, because I think once that's done, maybe it's it's considered. Uh, I don't think the the WFA leadership's got the time uh, to you know kind of sit down for it. But if you got a bunch of owners in D3 to kind of figure out a a structure that will help the um, you know the playoff format and also help just break down for, for, by divisions and regions, uh, maybe that will kickstart the uh, change and allow that to maybe be a test for 2023. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's you know a number of smart, passionate people in this league that can put together a plan of I think you know you know Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and I think that's the point where we're at here. And I, I think if we if we decide we want to change, we can definitely put put our heads together and do it. All right, so Coach Lou, thank you very much. Congrats on the uh, season. Uh, Congrats on your squad for an, an excellent, uh, you know, finish 6-0. and Unfortunately, uh, you don't get the benefit of, you know, showing up and competing for the road to Canton. But, uh, like I said, hopefully we'll restructure D3 to the point where that will be beneficial for the knockout in 2023 and then obviously showcase uh, some of the performances on the field to decide the matchups uh, as to who actually gets the shot to, you know, go to Canton. Yeah, let's hope. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we look, you know, either way, we're looking forward to coming out strong again next year and, and doing it all again. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Appreciate it. Take care of you, too. Thanks, Austin. All right, guys, that was uh, Coach Lou Butts of the New York Knockouts, uh, kind of talking about the Massey ratings and talk about how that can be restructured. Um, I think he's onto something there. I really think that that's going to be the key. You know, somebody's got to figure out the divisional levels, maybe by points, and it, it's more fair for the um, D3 teams to do that by region. As he says, break down the divisions more closely by region. That way the schedules e- e, uh, equal out as well. The travel's lessened. Uh, so it's a revisit. Um, let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football here, Mark Simone in the house. Uh, so, Mark, uh, how's it going today? Well, pretty good. I uh, just caught, caught the tail end of uh... – that interview and it was you know certainly good to hear uh, coach butts you know um offering some you know constructive critical look at um division three i totally agree with him like i I feel in in the sense that i i feel that you know division three um you know could be the the playoff uh bracket and um teams can be decided in a different way that feels more fair um, and we talked about this last week, Oscar, you know, every year, uh, you know, teams feel like, you know, they didn't make it and they don't understand why. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it's an epidemic of, of kind of using this, this massy ratings when people don't, you know, understand the math behind it, then it creates this barrier to understanding like who's in and who's out. So that can be certainly frustrating. And, you know, this is not the first year that um, folks felt this way. So, you know, now, now that there is a, you know, kind of a formal restructure that had happened in the WFA, 
um, maybe it's time to really uh, take another hard look at the way they determine the uh, Division Three playoffs and um, maybe try and do something a little bit different. Because I know I know it's a priority I really for, think, for the league to have women play. You know, I really think it needs to be done because you're, you're talking. You talk to Brittany. I, I talked to Brittany here. You're talking to Coach. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of the players on those teams that obviously played so well and they didn't get a shot. I mean, a lot of the players are probably very pissed off, right? I mean, they earned their money, $1,200, $2,000, and you you do what your coach said to do. You played your heart out on the field. You you, you know, you're undefeated or you you got one loss, right? And all of a sudden, you're yeah. ousted. Your season's done. It's almost like yeah, you're, if you're one and five, you know, or, you know, that kind of deal. It's like, this doesn't sit well. No, absolutely not. I you know, don't think anybody feels very good about that. Um, and... Um, but I mean, here's the thing, you know, it has to be talked at the, at the owner's meeting. I mean, this, you know, yep. uh, it has to get talked about at a time other than right as the masses come out. Right. If after a few weeks, you know, our initial, you know, feeling kind of blow over and you just start focusing on, you know, other things before you get back into football, you know, uh, your chance for changes disappear. You know, they, they, they disappear very quickly. The motivation leaves. So yeah, it, we definitely have to be talking about this um, um, at um, other times with, with key people. You got to build a coalition. It, you know, I, it makes sense to me that uh, division three owners and coaches and players who, you know, want to make these changes, they have to network together and, come up with a proposal for the league to, to look at and for um, the owners to, to vote on um, at the owners meeting or, you know, through other, some other, you know, apparatus, you know, it's one thing to, you know, have ideas, but it's another to put them into action. So now's the time to try and put, put those ideas in action. So the only issue you got that coaches bringing up Mark is, is that the East coast is lopsided, right? versus yeah. the West Coast. And so, yeah. unfortunately, you know, you you only have the bracket for the Massey on the West Coast, probably ideal, right? Because it's only like how many teams are on the West Coast. But on the East Coast, uh, there was, you know, there was a bunch of teams that with good records, four and ones, they're five and ones, uh, six and O's, and things like that. And those those teams got missed out based on the Massey, which the math obviously from Massey's is probably ideal and correct right, because the strength of schedule and how they weighted and everything else, that's fine, but it's just not – it doesn't doesn't feel good in terms of a D3, in terms of a real-life, you know, uh, aspect of it. So I really think that he's onto it. So either, like I suggested, either, you know, like they do overseas, right, where you get a point total for a win or you get a point total for a loss and you make it a point total for every Division three team that way, and then you get a tiebreaker, right? And, you, and those obviously will become a wild card position or something like that. But I think coaches onto it. I mean, you have to do divisions on the East Coast a lot better than you do on the West Coast. So there might be just one division on the West Coast because there's only you know six teams. Where on the East Coast, right. it might be three or four divisions that you got to break it down by region. You know, northeast, east, or, or south, or whatever, and it'll make it more fair. So hopefully, they you know our conversation here uh, between you and I, they've discussed it before. Uh, between Brittany and, and Coach Luke coming on here to kind of discuss it. Hopefully somebody's listening, and like you said, they'll they'll put their uh, their heads together in, in a roundtable and figure out a, 
Excel spreadsheet that's going to work for how the D3 can be restructured for 2023. I hope so. In fact, I, you know, I think it might lend a little bit of uh, um, excitement to uh, the next season, um, you know, um, to, to roll out something, just something a little bit different for Division Three. Yeah, like I told Coach, you know, it's it's just a matter of a test, right? Let's do let's run this test for this year, which is next year. And if it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then you also have you you got the masses to to kind of fall back onto. But I really think to your point before, if you got thirty teams, uh, Massey will do the right thing if you give it enough data. So if you had put sixteen teams in the play in the playing pool, right? Then I don't think we would be having this conversation at all. Yeah, that's right. I mean. You know, there were definitely, I think, a number of factors that sort of exacerbated the the bad things about Massey this year. One of them you already mentioned, which was, you know, having a lopsided number of teams um, in one conference. Um, you know, that you know, I don't. I think that definitely sort of um, exacerbated the problem. And um, right, uh, there was only with a shortened season again this year. Um, now, last year, there were fewer teams, right? Just, there weren't many teams um, coming back from uh, the pandemic layoff. But, you know, this year, more teams, but still a shorter schedule, right? Uh, Massey needs more data. The more data that goes into that algorithm, the more reliable the, the outputs are. And six games just isn't really enough um, to have reliable outputs in there. So, um, I think that definitely contributed to the problem too, just from you know from the math point of view. Um, so it's unfortunate, um, but you know we have to we have to move on, um, try and propose some new ideas. Hopefully next year we'll be going back to the eight game schedule. Maybe we can relook at the re- the conferences. Maybe even discuss you know the number of uh, playoff slots in Division Three. There's a lot that can be put on the table uh, for next year. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something of a focus for the WFA in the off season uh, to really look at that. Uh, to Coach's point, because you know, the, if if it continues this way, you're going to have a lot of players just kind of give up and go. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to pay, I don't need to pay two thousand dollars and have an undefeated season and then be told I'm not making the playoffs. So that's a, also yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah, not with the six and zero regular season record, you know. Yeah, that's just not good. Um, okay, so uh, Mark, week three in Finland. We'll dive in here in the, to the international scene here before we dive into the WFA bracket. Um, uh, week three, Tampere, uh almost gets beat by West Coast Phoenix. So there was a thirty-four uh, twenty-six. Really good job by the Phoenix to kind of keep neck and neck, uh, quarter by quarter. So uh, pretty awesome. There's an article there at at American uh, American Football Finland dot uh, com. Uh, so Tampere almost gets beat, but uh, they do stay, uh, you know, with the win. They get the win. Yeah, you know, the West Coast Phoenix did a really good job uh, coming back in the second half. They really kind of um, put a scare on Tampere, and but the Saints held on. Uh, you know, they scored another touchdown just to, to keep their distance. Um, and so the Saints now um, have um, that have a win under their belt. Um, let's see. I'm just going to bring up the standings here. 
And yeah, the same thing. Turku just routes Loha uh, Lionesses, but you know, uh, shout out to Leah Kozla there. She's uh, the the first game wasn't too too good for them against uh, Key because she was absent, but now she's back on a roll, and you can tell the difference in terms of the offensive scoring. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's still a tough loss. They're still 0-2, um, but um, it is a long season, so hopefully we'll see some improvement uh, over time with the Lionesses. You know, I mean, they've, they've stepped up into the, the top division, the Maple League, this year. So um, it, it's it's a new field of competitors, and um, these are the strongest teams in Finland. So um, there's going to be some adjustment period and getting up to speed. But I'm quite confident that um, they'll be more competitive as the uh, season goes on. He also how Helsinki continues to roll, especially with Yarn and New Kander. In place, uh, and Pia just continues to, to score 32 to zero against uh, McKelly Bouncers. Um, so that's the week three rundown in terms of Finland. You can get right there the article, jenkutitis.fi. Uh, get the breakdown right there, and if you translate it, it's Yankee football. So you're good to go. <laughs> we love that. Yep. All right, uh, Sweden, uh, Mark. Goderberg uh, against uh, North Copen. No surprise there that they obviously are the better team in the lower division. Uh, but once they go up against the big dogs, they're not so they don't fare so well like last week. So, but they do they get the shutout 38 to zero. Uh, you can watch the YouTube uh, full game, but you cannot watch it in the states. It's a Euro only access uh, on the YouTube. I guess it's uh, it's not allowed in the states for some reason uh, in terms of the settings at the YouTube channel. Uh, Karlstad 56-0 against Linham, no surprise there. Uh, Orobro 33-0 against Stockholm. Uh, so uh, Orobro, Karlstad starting to uh, you know be the supreme, uh, the one and two in terms of what we're going to be looking at for the Sweden season. Yeah, you're right. I, I think we're going to see them um, in the final, but just based on what's going on so far. Um, you know, Stockholm is running the middle of the pack now. Uh, the Rodiers also two and two. Uh, uh, Gothenburg is kind of kind of falling with that big loss a couple weeks ago against uh, the Black Knights, but they're still three and one, so they've still got three in the win column. Um, still a few games to go here, but um, we're definitely beginning to recognize the trends here uh, in uh, the Swedish league. And the reason we uh, we we focus on Finland and Sweden is because they're so, somewhat of the equivalent of the uh, WNFC WFA in terms of you know the higher level of Euro football in that regard um, in terms of the women's game and a, a lot of the and some of the players get paid out there, Mark. Some of the players do yeah, get paid know, out think, in Sweden and Finland. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good analogy there. Um, and um, you know, we're looking forward, of course, to the Women's World Championship where. Both of these countries mm-hmm. will be fielding teams, uh, but they're also very, very familiar with each other. You know, players will travel between the countries to to play for uh, you know different times of the year. So um, uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's it's they've got their own kind of thing going on there. But I, I do think that's a good analogy. Yeah, I mean that's uh, if you talk about the Euro game, that's probably besides Germany, which has a lot of teams. Uh, more than likely Sweden and Finland are a lot more in terms of like high level American football. Uh, they would mm-hmm. be the two places that you want to go and check it out. And that, that Leah Kozla has been there for what, a couple of seasons now? 
before she was with yeah. Indy Crash. Now she's been there for a, a lot of seasons out in, with Turku now for a long time. Yeah, I, I think she's got, God, must be five seasons at least. Yep. So it's, it's a good time out there. Um, you, you got a, some pretty good players and ballers, so that's why we follow it. You get the lowdowns right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. Get some of the live streams as well, the breakdown from week three in terms of Finland. So it's really awesome there. Thanks to all our network partners for supporting us and bringing us those news and notes as well. Um, let's see here. The game of the week in the WFA mark was uh, Minnesota 42, Nebraska 6. Uh, no surprise there. They do finish strong. Uh, getting ready here for the playoffs in terms of the bracket. So the bracket comes out, Mark, and no New York Wolves. So we were all like, what is going on, right? Uh, so the reality and the, and the facts are the coaching staff, I guess, broke some sort of uh, WFA NCA rule that is not allowed on, in, in more than one game, is my understanding, from some of the players that were given us feedback and some of the coaches that gave us feedback. So at this point, the WFA laid down the hammer and literally took away the playoff spot for the for the uh, the Wolves. I think maybe uh, it's too stern. I think maybe you should have just basically, you know, eliminate the coaching staff and then put an interim coach and let the players, you know, get their shot at defending their you know defending their play- or their put their position on the playoffs. But with the same token. I think if it was a one-time issue, I don't think it would have been so severe, but it was multiple uh, from my understanding. So I guess, you know, you have to, as a league, you would have to either make a statement, right? Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, of course, that, um, you know, because of, the, of you know, uh, multiple infractions um, that were carried out by not the whole team, but only a few individuals, uh, has has resulted in uh, the Wolves being, uh, you know, losing losing their spot in the playoffs. Uh, it it's a punishment like against, you know, people you know people on that team that had nothing to do that. that that's a you know that's a terrible shame, you know. So I, I can certainly understand um, people feel like the punishment was was too harsh, um, but at the same by the same token, you know. The, you know the the league has discretion as to you know what's appropriate and you know we're never really going to know um, you know what went down uh, in terms of you know um, handing down or discussing basically uh, what penalty there would be you know we know that there's you know board vote involved we know that there's discussion between the team and the league. So, but we'll never really know how they got to the point that they got to. Um, and I, I don't expect that we're going to see any kind of statement from the league. If we were going to see one, it, it, they would have issued it right when they put the brackets out. So there would be an explanation as to why uh, the New York Wolves weren't there. But there was no statement, and I don't think we're going to see one. Um, I personally think that, you know, there, there should be some kind of statement. Uh, but at this point, you know, given what we know, we know that the Wolves are not going to be in the playoffs, and this is the playoff bracket, and um, that's that's what we have to work with now. Yeah, I think it was disappointing in one end, on a professional level, that the league 
before the bracket was announced, I think you should have made a disclaimer that the reason that the Wolves will not be in the playoffs based on Massey, they deserve to be in the playoffs, but because of the infractions and the severity of the infractions, that you know the league has decided otherwise, and that the the brackets will be modified. Right? That would have been a, a perfect statement to modify yeah, bracket. You know, Try state. You know. I think that would have been very helpful, especially at that moment, because you know a lot of people are, you know, sort of uh, mistakenly thought that the the Massey rating system was, <laughs> uh, you know, excluded yet another undefeated team from New York. Um, yeah. amongst other deserving teams. So there's a little bit of confusion from from the uh, population about, you know, why the the Wolves were not on the bracket, and a lot of people thought it was the Masseys, but it, that actually wasn't it. They were definitely and I was one of those, in, a, in a playoff position. I was one position. of those that, that messaged you and said, what, there's, a, there's an error or something, right? <laughs> Did somebody omit to put the proper team? Right. On the bracket? I mean, yeah, Cause sometimes I it thought happens, it could have right? been like a graphic designer error or something like that, yeah. which, you know, it, it happens, and it actually wouldn't be the first time that it happened um, in the WFA either. I, I remember a couple of years back uh, one of the brackets was wrong, and they fixed it right away. But, um, you know, I thought maybe that was this kind of situation. Come to find out, no, um, there, were, there was actually, um, you know, something happened behind it. All right, so let's get into this, Mark, uh, before we get into the WNFC Pacific Conference preview. Uh, you guys can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, get the watch there. You go to wfaprofootball.com, you get the playoff bracket 2022 right there as well. Uh, uh, wfaprofootball.com forward slash playoff uh, dash bracket dash 2022. You can look at it that way as well. Um, let's start at the lower level here. Uh, Virginia's had a really good season. Uh, Capital City has been a very, very impressive. Um, so, I, I mean, who who do you think gets out of here? The the uh, the battle-tested Savages or the uh, the Virginia Lady Firehawks, which had a couple forfeits, I think, along the way. So, it, is it a bigger test for Virginia here than it is for Cap- for Capital City? Um, yeah, I think it is. I, when I look at the you know the schedules of each team, I, I just I feel like um, Capital City has better quality wins and better quality losses, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Virginia's definitely you know they've they've been a strong team. You know, they've 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 beaten the teams that were put in front of them. They suffered um, one loss at the very beginning of the season against East Tennessee, another um, pretty strong team in Division Three. Um, but I feel like uh, Capital City is probably going to um, get out of there with a win. I just, you know, they they had a big win in their last game of the season, and I, I feel like they were my early pick this, uh, you know, in in this early spring. So I'm going to stick with them. I'm, I'm going to take Capital City. I think your Nevada is either going to be this team or. OKC out of the West, I think for this year's Nevada. So I'm thinking maybe those are the two teams that we have to kind of keep an eye on. You know, not to disrespect mm-hmm. the the Outcast or, or the Capital Pioneers, but I'm just looking at that. You know, to, for the next Nevada, I, I think it, you know story wise, like you said, Capital City has has been impressive so far. 
Uh, Carolina re, re, basically re, returns to a playoff state after a couple seasons off. And then Mrs., uh, Music City Misfits, um, you know, missed out uh, last year to go to Canton as well, so they get a shot here. So uh, who, who are you taking here? Yeah, it, it's been – we haven't talked about the Carolina Phoenix very much, um, but, you know, the Phoenix has risen again. Um, they were – kind of surprisingly uh, good. That's not a knock. That's like definitely a compliment. Uh, they seem to have kind of come out of nowhere this, this year and um, rolled up some wins, and they definitely deserve to be you know, here in the playoffs. Now, you know, the Music City Misfits have always can kind of been like, you know, the bridesmaid, never the bride. They always had somebody standing in their way. Um, and... But I'm going to take the Misfits this time. Uh, they split in the regular season with the Phoenix. Um, it's And now they're playing a, a third time, I think. So um, I think the Misfits got the most recent win. I'm just, I'm just going to go with them. I, I think they're going to get their shot um, at, the, at the conference title um, with a win over Carolina. All right. I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking uh, Carolina – and I'm going to take Capital City to to move on to the next to that on that side of the bracket. So, so I will take the okay. I will take Savages and Phoenix on that side of the bracket for for me. Okay. In terms of comes out, um, I think because of the offensive output that they both have there. Um, start look, if I start looking at I, I think I was looking at the stats through week eight, and you had uh, I believe Tidal Wave is the only other team that was in the team scoring aspect of it. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I think that may be the, the difference maker there. Um, on the other side, Mark, uh, the outcasts looking to return to try to, like, punch the ticket in Canton. Yeah, and, you know, I I think they're going to um, advance out of this round. Uh, I like the Capital Pioneers. They're definitely they're, – they're looking like the best team in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you know, defeated the Seattle Spartans and uh, uh, Portland Fighting Shockwave, teams that are a division above them. Um, so, you know, I definitely like them. You just remember last year when they advanced to the playoffs and just got sm- got smoked. So, you know, and since Arizona was there last year, I- I'm feeling Arizona. So I, I think they will get get past this round. All right, I'm going to take Capital. I think they do, they think they are been overlooked. I'm going to go against you there. So I will take the, the Capital City to upset Arizona in the first round. I really think they're they're right there. Uh, they're both at total points. They're pretty much equal points per game, almost identical in a lot of ways, but seven point difference. So I, I I'll, I'll take I'll take the uh, the Pioneers uh, in the first round to get past the uh, the the you know the runners-up from last year. Um, OKC, we talked about them, Mark. Iowa, uh, Massey was very grateful to them because of all the tough matchups throughout the, the season here. Uh, but this is their shot. The last year, they you know, they went to Arizona and uh, all that crazy stuff that happened in Arizona. So uh, this is going to be a opportunity here for uh, Iowa to really prove and who better to prove it against than their uh, their rivals right there. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma City's at at the top in that um, conference. Uh, so it is a tough task. Uh, we definitely know that I, uh, Iowa wants to get back in it. 
Um, unfortunately, that playoff game last year, you know, ended early because of the weather. Um, it was wild. That was a wild one. Um, but I, I really feel like Oklahoma City is, is not going to be denied in this one. I'm with you with that. I think I'll take OKC. I know Iowa's uh, determined to get back, but, uh, I mean, they, w- they would have to play lights out ball against this, uh, you know, OKC uh, force. And I, I really think that, that they're going to take it. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, Iowa's definitely going to play their best game of the of the season. So, um, to, you know, had to be in the running. But the Lady Force definitely, they have got a lot of firepower. So, I'm going to side with them. All right. So on the bracket side here, uh, uh, we both take OKC. On the other side, you're taking Arizona. I'm taking Capital. Uh, we're taking Capital City Savages on the other side. And then uh, we're uh, split on Carolina and uh, Music City. And then in Division Two, Mark, my high shows up here. Every, every year they show up in a playoff mode. Can they get over the hump? You know, we know what happened in Nevada. Uh, Austin here, I mean, uh, we got a legendary Austin Outlaws, let's just say that. Uh, that, you know, that franchise has been legendary for the WFA. Uh, this is an opportunity for Austin to really uh, upset. It is. I, I feel like since the beginning of the season, like, Ryan has kind of been on the wall for uh, this conference that uh, the Mahai Blaze and the Houston Energy could be meeting in the conference final. So, um, this is a chance to sort of you know, you know, it, they might be sleeping on you. I'm just, this is what I'm saying. Uh, for Austin and Nebraska as well, if these teams are sleeping on you, this is your chance to to, to get an upset. So, um, but as things are, I do think that Mile High and Houston will be in the conference final. Uh, but what, you know, what can Austin do now to try and turn the tables on, on Mile High? We'll We'll see. I hope they get there early because of the altitude. You know, they got to get acclimated. Sure, and that's a big factor. I mean, when you go into that into that uh, stage, it's a big factor. Uh, Nebraska has played really good ball against D three uh, regional competition. They've played against D two really good. Um, you know, we got Mac. We're rooting her on. Uh, not that we don't want to, you know, uh, coach Brian Wiggins to win. But you know our co-hosts, we got to try to dive in. So this Nebraska team, if they if they really want to be for real, this they got to take down the energy, which is a hard task. Uh, it's definitely a hard task. Uh, but I do, you know, as far as being real goes, I mean, this has been a very good first year for the Nebraska Valkyries. So n- no matter the outcome of the game, I feel like they're you know for real, and that uh, we'll see them next year, and they you know will continue to be competitive. Um, I think just the energy is 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 too much to handle. You know, they have just been strong the last few years. You know, they can you know still uh, beat you know Division One teams in Dallas, and you know they they've just put together like you know a lot of big wins. They've you know they already beat Mile High once. I'm sorry, they lost a Mile High in a very close game. And they took on Arlington also in a very close game. So, you know, we know that they're competitive with the strongest teams um, that they play. So, I, you know, I, I think that bodes well uh, for uh, this playoff game for the Houston Energy. 
So not that we don't want to root on Max team, but at the same time, you know, we're weighing the factors. So we are looking at a uh, mile high Houston energy rematch on, in our point of view, it would be for Austin and Nebraska to prove us wrong for next week or for the June 25th, you know, June 11th, I meant I'll come on June 11th. So for the, uh, for that. Um, so we'll see how it turns out. Um, then on the other side, Derby does get the nod from Massey considering they were playing St. Louis and all the other schedules that they were playing. So they, even though they didn't have a great season in terms of record wise, they do get the nod to come and, and go back to a, a shot to Dur- uh, to uh, Canton uh, to defend, obviously, their, you know, their upgrade from D3. And then Tri-State, uh, I mean, they get, they get their, uh, I guess, a, a, a wish, I guess. <laughs> they woke up and they're like, hey, you guys are in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> Thanks to the Wolves. So, so they get a shot here to make a statement, right? Tri-State, that's all you needed. You need a shot. That's true. Yeah, it's a shot. You know, they they only won one game this season, but it was their last game. So they're on a winning streak. Uh, and that's a good way to be heading into the playoffs that you didn't know you were going to get into. You might as well be on a winning streak. But that, I mean, they have played tough teams. You know, they they played the Wolves twice. Uh, they played Pittsburgh. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I definitely think that they, you know, are, are coming into the playoffs uh, w- with an attitude like, you know, we're here, so let's do it. They're playing a team they haven't played before, right? Score is 0-0. Nothing means nothing. So they got nothing to lose. Yep. Uh, Derby City, so on new, the other hand. A new season, Mark. new season for Trade yeah, State. That's what we want to call it. Just a new season for Trade State. It's a reboot. It's called the reboot for the Warriors right here. Can they take down mm-hmm. Derby? And for Derby, this is not going to be good. They, they don't, do not want to afford to lose this if they want to make it one step closer back to the playoffs there, to the final there. Uh, Baltimore, we knew they were going to be here. We anticipated New York and Baltimore at one point during the season. We had the conversation about how they would probably end up at the end and with each other, and it did not, did not happen. And so now Columbus uh, starting to pick up some steam here late, and they look like one of the teams that could, you know, ride this in and come back. And who, who, we would not be surprised if Columbus wins here. That's all I'm saying. Uh, given the coaching yeah. staff and former D- Detroit Dark Angels staff. So we would not be surprised. I, I agree. And, you know, uh, last week uh, Columbus handed Baltimore uh, a loss, 30-18. Uh, to 18, And that was, uh, that was actually Columbus's only win on the season. Uh, but they, you know, uh, it was to Baltimore. So I think chances are pretty good that, you know, this would go in the book as a, an upset. Baltimore is the home team. They're the higher-ranked team. Um, but, you know, Columbus has been fighting through the season. They played nothing but tough teams, okay? St. Louis, Derby City twice, uh, Detroit Venom, and uh, Pittsburgh Passion. So those are, you know, they played th- um, three division, I'm sorry, three pro division teams on their schedule. So we know that they're, you know, they're, they've been tested. And I'm pretty sure that they're ready for the playoffs. And, and I feel like uh, they're going to walk out of there with a victory. Hi, I'm going to go with you, uh, Mark. I, I really think Baltimore, Baltimore needs to come in, and they really need to show us that they want to advance into the playoffs. Uh, Columbus, based on their coaching staff and the way they fundamentally train their players and, and get it going, I think this is a – kind of a reimage of DDA and we know DDA is always in the playoffs every year. 
So this is just sort of like customary for them. So I, I really think Columbus moves here, and uh, it would be either a Derby. I think it's, it's the team that needs to step up their game, and it, I, it would be Columbus Derby, and that would be interesting. It would be. That would that would be an interesting game. And, um, you know, uh, Derby City in the – you know, if they can reach that Division Two final, then that will be two years in a row in two different divisions for Derby City. That would be quite a remarkable feat. We'll have to name it the Nevada Syndrome. So if yeah. they do make it back into the one step closer, right? Then who's who's going to be the next Nevada, right? That's the, that's the, that's the, right. the theme that we got to mention every time. Who will be the Nevada? So we'll see, <laughs> see if Derby can make it happen. Uh, so there's Division Two, Division One Pro. No surprise. I think uh, the only surprise was maybe Detroit didn't get in here, but uh, they did have a tough schedule as well. They did face Boston. They didn't fare very well against Boston. Uh, so I guess Massey did consider that and weighed that more fully for the DC Divas. Um, Divas obviously having a lot of issues in terms of quarterback switching and things like that. So uh, lo and behold, uh, they take on Boston in the first round again. Yeah. <laughs> Third time this year has has happened like so many years in the past, especially during the uh, uh, the Boston militia years. I've seen DC three times a year, so we're back on that schedule. And um, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I feel like there might be a chance that Detroit could just slip in past uh, the Divas, uh, but the Divas like held on. And yeah, to their credit. You know, the Divas are able to score, you know, points on, on Boston, which uh, Detroit was not able to do. I think if Detroit had put up a couple of touchdowns, you know, versus Boston, we might be talking about a Detroit-Boston uh, matchup right here. But as it is, it's the Divas. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if uh, we need Kanji, uh, Divas need Kanji Aldi to come back, uh, physically play an awesome game if they want a shot at the champs and – Boston already knows how they need to get to the next level. So it's just a matter of can DC muster something to upset. It would be the, it would be a big upset of all upsets for the season. This would be an upset, which I doubt that will happen. Uh, Amada and the international backfield Smith. uh, No, I just don't see it. So I wish you well, DC. That's all I have to tell you right now. I wish you well. And you know who I'm picking. So, (laughs) Well, certainly not taking the uh, the gold and burgundy. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> no, definitely not. All right. Um, yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, Mark. Uh, you can mock the schedule a little bit because of the, some of the teams that they played. Uh, Pittsburgh seems like the hot team coming in here after an absence. Um, it, it it is. I think this is more pressure on Tampa Bay. I really think that it's because I think Pittsburgh, if they don't do well here, George and company has played well. And I mean, that would be just the end of their season. It's not, so, not the, uh, this huge expectation, but for Tampa, I think this is a huge expectation. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time that Tampa Bay has um, in a long time has, has hosted a first round playoff game. You know, uh, they're the number two team, you know, in, in the conference. So I think, I do think there's a bit of pressure. Uh, I mean, that being said, I think they'll respond okay to that pressure. I think this is going to be a pretty competitive game. And I kind of feel like 
this is the most intriguing. What makes this the most intriguing game of the of this round of playoffs in the pro division is that these two teams have not played each other. I mean, I can't even going back in the annals of my own brain to the last time. I, you know, I don't even know if these two teams have ever played each other ever. I'll have to look that up. Um, so I don't believe I so. I was trying to do the same going back into hostess sports to look at the schedules and stuff. But I think I, I think you might be right because yeah. no, no, normally um, Pittsburgh would play the East Coast swing a lot more than anything. Yeah, I mean, if 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 Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay played before, it might have been before the WFA existed, right? In one of the earlier leagues. Yeah. Um, and even then, maybe an earlier incarnation of uh, the Inferno. Uh, Pittsburgh yeah. has been the passion ever since inception. Uh, Tampa Bay's had a couple of uh, iterations. So I'll have to look at that. I mean, that makes it very intriguing for me. I, I love to see that, like when two teams who haven't played each other ever or for a very long time uh, finally meet, meet up in the playoffs because you don't really know what to big, expect. Big, you know? big stage here for Tampa. I think this is a must win for them. Uh, and then they get the uh, complimentary, uh, the complimentary uh, you know, Boston Renegade rematch, which is – Probably not going to be great, uh, but anyway, <laughs> no. so, right? So there's another option there for you. Um, Minnesota gets the nod after even the, losing to Nevada. Nevada does get into the playoffs, which we expected here. Um, so Nevada, Minnesota, we know Nevada already knows that they can beat Minnesota. It is Minnesota's opportunity here to, you know, figure out they're the better squad to move on. So it's literally their task there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't think the Vixen want revenge? They want to get, oh, you know, yeah. they want to get payback for that, for that loss. Because, uh, you know, in that game, it all fell apart around them. They had the lead um, in the first half. What was it, 20 nothing, something like that? Mm-hmm. 26 to 20, 20, something like that? Zero. And it just, then it just, just all crumbled apart. And they were, I'm sure they were not very happy. Um, about their performance there in the second half. That was probably uh, the was best very... game of the year, Mark, in terms of the season so far. Probably the best game of the year in terms of comeback. And uh, besides the, you know, the the fire the fire game, uh, the fire uh, uh, offensive fire game against Cali and Nevada. You know, that was the other game that yeah. probably was interesting. Um, but you know, Minnesota really is is, uh, is the team that needs to get to get this win, right? Uh, Nevada not expected to be here at this level yet they get here uh they're probably you know not expected to go deep in the playoffs their first year you know there's a lot of ifs but uh minnesota is expected to to return yeah yeah it is and you know minnesota is is the favorite going in uh despite having taken that loss to Nevada earlier in the season um and it's it's hard to pick them it's you know in both of these games uh in the american conferences these are hard hard to pick uh, I, you know, my gut says that, you know, Minnesota will, will win out. Yeah. But I'm going to take my, my girls in me, Nevada. Are you really sure about that? <laughs> I'm going to take my girls in Nevada, uh, Colangelo uh, and uh, uh, Plummer and uh, Felker. So I'm going to go with Nevada, the underdog. As you should. So As you should. Okay. So I'm good. So I'm going to take the, I'm going to take my girls in Nevada to, to pull the upset here and get the get another win out there, so uh, I'm gonna go to that. Um, Mark Impact Cali 
They know they can beat Cali. Can they beat Cali with Wiggins? That's the question. That is the question. That's the exact question. Um, and, you know, consistency with, with these teams is, has always been a question. Uh, Arlington has been remarkably consistent this year, really for kind of like the first time um, that I've seen in a while. And the question is, you know, which Cali War team is going to show up? You know, is, is it going to be the one that lost to that the impact earlier in the season really just got crushed by him? Or is it the team that, that put up 60 point, you know, 58 points or whatever it was against Nevada? Like, you know, we don't know. Um, so we're again, about to find out really hard. We're right, about to we're find out if Cali is going to be the, the it or, you know what? The motivation on the other side is they lost their coach. They would love to get this for their coach. Go deep oh, in the no playoffs. Doubt. Yeah. You, so the impact, yeah. you know, really is on emotion. Yeah. There's a lot of intangibles that come into play during the, during the playoffs. And so, so that might really, that might seriously be a difference maker. I mean, the adrenaline goes there, right? You want to do it for the coach. You can play your best. Um, so, you know, if you're Cali, you're going up against a uh, a team that is trying to, you know, achieve something bigger, right, for somebody that mm-hmm. obviously was meant, uh, meant a lot to them. So, Absolutely. All right. So, Mark, WNFC Pacific bracket before we get out of here. We've got 10 minutes. Uh, let's dive in here. Utah gets their revenge shot against the Rebellion. The Rebellion understands this is a must-win for them to keep to get their shot back to go to Frisco. So, uh, you know, you, I think uh, the Falcons and, and Custis here, they know what the obstacle is. They understand if they, if they get this win, it's a huge, huge deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that, would be, that would be a huge win. That would be a huge win for the Falcons. You know, the Falcons. The Falcons, they have the defense. I like the defense. Their defense is is good. They have the running backs. It's going to come down to quarterback play. Um, yep. For both teams. In fact, you know, when I look at the WNFC in general, um, I I see mostly a running league. There are not a lot of very gifted passers in the WNFC. You know, you've got Bushman in Texas, and then there's a severe drop-off after her. Um, you know, so quarterback play is, is going to be very, very key in all these uh, playoff matchups. Uh, and San Diego none, is a little different this year because they got the, they got the uh, you know, the international backfield that Boston has, and then they also have mm-hmm. Nenji as an anchor to, to fall back onto in terms of the red zone. So that's, that's a key right for them right there. Escoto, and, you know, and, or Gutierrez, they're a big, they're a big uh, lift right there for, for, for her not doing it all. Because last year it was mostly the Nenji Martin offense. Now it's kind of been a balanced more offense here and with a more threat. Well, Utah, Mark, uh, Gallica, you know, as, has evolved over the season. Now it's, an, it's, a, it's a matter of can Maganya and Jameson carry uh, Gallica's, uh, you know, with, with the issue with the offense. Right. I, you know, I, I was about to say, you know, the, the, the Falcons can kind of match the running game of, of the Rebellion, but 
you know, can Gallica kind of uh, match um, uh, what Nenji Martin does for Rebellion mm-hmm. in terms of just just making uh, a few passes, you know, and not throwing interceptions, protecting the ball, and um, springing on the opportunities to get yards with their legs. Um, you and know, the, these, the you know, in, Rebellion D, Mark, they they don't they don't fear the triple option. We've already seen nope. that. They don't care yep. about the triple option. They they they're Definitely. brutal. And so, you know, Utah has to be the same on the other side where they have to contain Gutierrez and Escoto and that's going to be a tough challenge. Yep. I, I think they have the personnel to to at least slow them down. Um yeah. Uh we'll see how, how the game flow goes. It could make a big difference, right? If one of these teams yeah. You know, it gets behind by a couple of scores that could drastically change uh, the tenor of the game. Yeah, that's going to be a key right there. The the the, the defenses might be the key to the to the both of this for the wins here. Um, the other teams uh, we have Dion Lee, legendary coach Dion Lee, uh, takes it. You know, takes the team under his wing with Walters, and no surprise, the Las Vegas Silver Stars have evolved into a formidable team and Denver who hasn't shown us very much offense is now the uh you know have to face Las Vegas who's Las Vegas at this point I don't I, I think this is kind of more of a rivalry rivalry true rivalry here in the west because I don't think they like each other pretty much <laughs> what makes you think that um yeah they, def- <laughs> they you know they're they definitely both want to win this game you know, yeah, this is this is a, a good rivalry here um, in the making. Now, with the Bandits 6-0, and undefeated, um, are, you know, technically the favorites going in here. But I almost have to – it feels like a game that's just a pick em type of game. Um, uh, Denver – again, Denver's defense is going to sort of make or break, I think, you know – the the bandits in this game, it's it, if they let up fourteen points or more, I, I don't know if the bandits can win this game. So they have to lean on the defense heavily to hold down the silver stars. Yeah, and I think uh, the the keys to this game and this matchup is Shawnee Phillips. Uh, can she okay limit her interceptions? That's number one. And then the other keys is going to be uh, Calix Lewis and Jen Iriola. If they can somehow muster some sort of a ground game, I really think that's going to put uh, um, Denver on the edge there as well. And then you got Brand. Uh, if Brand can come up with some big plays uh, along with Jen uh, Ingariola, uh, there's a key right there for where the Vegas uh, Silver Stars to pull the win out uh, against Denver offensively, Mark Denver has really not shown us an explosive aspect of it where the silver stars at times have shown us that Phillips can throw the ball deep. Right. Um, uh, yeah, that, that said, you know, Tori Tagaloa has to also has to limit the, the turnovers. Uh, when, when Denver has been put in a bad spot, it, it's usually because, uh, you know, there's been a turnover, either an interception or a fumble or something like that on, on the offensive side. So the turnover battle could really, really be big in this game. 
I think that's the key point that you're making there because it's it's there it's not like Denver isn't talented enough. You got Washington, you got Lewis, you got Knicks, you know, you got Sun, uh, you got Kristen London out there. Uh, they're talented. It's just uh, at this point defensively, is you know, is Kraft, London, and Spicy enough, and even Matheson enough to hold off the, the Silver Stars? I guess we're gonna find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, Terry Lister, our co-host here, uh, the defensive guru of the Bandits, uh, we're just going to wish you well, Terry. Um, hopefully you figure out the offense uh, because I know Deion Lee is going to be coming in with just everything, and he's got one shot to go to Frisco, right? He gets this here, and then he gets to face probably the Rebellion or Utah. And so, uh, you know, Deion, Lee's, Deion Lee knows what he's doing. So uh, Vegas – is going to be a tough test for Denver. And this is a, I think more so Mark, do you, you feel like this is a Denver's big test of the year in this playoff mode? Well, definitely. I mean, this is their first franchise playoff game. All right. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, certainly there's, there's some pressure in, in, in that sense, you know, you don't want to go on one in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, definitely their biggest game. All right, so uh, we're going to take sides here. Uh, I think Utah has a shot, but I really think because of Escoto and Gutierrez as an edge there, I will give the Rebellion an edge win against Utah. Then on the other side, I want to go Denver, but my gut's telling me Vegas. I I am also going to take San Diego, and I will take the Bandits. I'll just get on the other side of that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, they can make it. They it's still can so make it happen. Mark, like you said, defensively, they got to do their job. If, if they can do, def- they've been doing it all year. So it's going to have to be the defense, yeah. like to your point, once again to rise. Yeah, I'm going to put my faith in Terry too. I come up with a defensive scheme. So, um, yeah. yeah, good luck, Terry. You got your yeah. hands full. Sorry, Terry. I'm not going to go with you. Sorry, Terry. We're going. We're going with the Vegas swing of things. So just to, so Vegas for me, Denver for you, and we're kind of uh, in in unison with the rebellion. We're going to dive into the Atlantic Conference next week as we dive in closer to the playoffs there for the for the nine cup playoffs, uh, and then we're going to kind of break down a little bit more in terms of the D one scope of things as we break down each each team next week. Uh, more thoroughly in terms of who's going to play, who we assume is going to play, especially with Arlington and Cali, um, especially Minnesota and Nevada, and also the breakdown of Boston versus D.C. And, uh, you know, and, and so we're going to break down uh, the pro division a little bit more thoroughly next podcast so that as we get closer to the, the big matchups in terms of the playoffs game. So, Mark, I don't know about you. I'm excited. Lemonade, getting ready. Popcorn as well. You know, just getting ready, getting giddy in terms of, like, Who's gonna Who's gonna actually advance to June 25th in terms of the WFA? Yeah, me too. You know, just uh, just digging in, uh, getting in a little bit deeper with some of the performers on on all the playoff teams. Um, you know, trying when I can to go back and and look at some of those football games that I was not able to watch during the regular season. So uh, I'm definitely keeping myself busy. Uh, with football as we inch closer to the playoffs. 
All right, guys, don't forget to uh, check out Cleat Sheets episode, uh, and uh, you can check out the episode with our own Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, uh, Mark Simone, uh, with uh, Jody uh, Redlander and also Eric, uh, Aaron Truix uh, on the episode. It's right there at the Hub. So that was pretty cool, interesting, and uh, you get some insights from him as well, like you do here every week, but more thoroughly for some other uh, some other things on the questions and a little background uh, of how he started, you know, covering women's football. So it's pretty interesting on the Cleat Sheets episode, and then also Mojo Sports. Check it out, um, Christy Moran and Rebecca uh, on Mojo Sports. So you check out the episode there as well, season two of Mojo Sports, and you can always be here Tuesdays and check it out the two hours for the Stravaganza that is the Great Aaron Blitz right here with us as well. So, Mark, it's going to be interesting to see how we dive into the Atlantic WNFC and then kind of break down pro a little thoroughly. So, awesome. And then we got Sweden, Finland, a little bit of the WWCFL uh, finishing up there, and on top of that, some LaFi. So, it's an interesting week coming up. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it already. All right. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Uh, we're looking forward to next week. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Knife Fight and use the code NJF to get started. Get a $5 free play, NHL, MMA, PGA. Check it out. So for uh, the absent, Nate Ward, Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Terry Lister, and for Mark Simone here, Oscar Lopez here, we'll catch you next week for episode 428. Don't forget to share and subscribe on our podcast. Thank you. Have a good night. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.